Welcome to Progressive House UK with myself, Danny Jarvis. This show is called In Conversation With, where I take time to interview friends, DJs, promoters, people on the scene, and have a general conversation about the way things are today. The idea of the show is just that we do something different, add to the content we've already got on Progressive House UK, other than our mix shows and our guest mix shows, So however you listen to your podcasts, at the gym, in the car, out and about, on a walk, we really hope you enjoy our conversation for now. As always, please do subscribe to our channel. So many people don't subscribe, but do listen, so please subscribe. And also if you've left us a review, that would be fantastic. Be sure to find us on social media, just search Progressive House UK on Instagram or on Facebook. And don't be scared to send us messages or leave comments and tell us what you think about our shows. This week I'm joined by Richard Stout as he discusses his journey from DJ to band leader and singer, back to DJ, to promoter, and to modern day with All Things House and the Early Doors Club. So sit back, however you enjoy your podcasts, crank up the volume and listen to a conversation between friends and hopefully gain some insight into the world of the underground music scene. So hello Richard. Hiya. (laughs) Welcome to Casa Bosville. (laughs) So this is uh, the second in conversation with that we're doing. Yeah. Um, I know you listened to the first one with Nas. Yeah. So you've got an idea of what we're we're going to talk about. But the star of the show is is sort of you, if you like, and we just want people to get a, a you know an understanding of where our heads are at. Us people that are trying to do this stuff on the underground and trying to make things happen or doing different things, yeah. be it mixes, um, be it events. Um, promoting, DJing, um, yeah, it's just to give people insight. So the first question, if you like, really to you is is to sort of give us a bit of background and how you've got to where you are. So back in the early 90s, I was mainly into um, guitar bands, stuff like that. And then I heard Enjoy Anthem. That tune just totally changed everything for me. I heard that and I was like, what is that? And then a few of my mates started going to this club a couple of miles away from uh, from where I live um, called The Venue. They played like a Italian house. To what age were you at roughly here? I was 15. Yeah. So I started clubbing when I was 15. Yeah. That's the, yeah. It seems to be the ordinary <laughs> age, doesn't it? For most people yeah. in the 90s yeah. who were out and they shouldn't have yeah. been. And then, yeah, so I went there. Didn't even know if I was going to get in. But I, I got in. I was just blown away by my first club and experience in arena and it was like it was a big balcony at the top and from the balcony you could see into the DJ booth so you couldn't see the DJ but you could see his hands and what he was doing and and I was just like so intrigued by what he was doing just to go there maybe every four weeks or something like that and then when I left school got a job straight away first thing I bought was a set of decks what age were you when you left school? I was, like, I was I was fifteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, left early. Um, got a job at um, air conditioning unit factory uh, in Bishop Auckland, and um, yeah, my first wages were spent on a pair of SoundLab direct. I think it was SLP fives or something like that. <laughs> yeah, standard. And, and a From cam, like Tandy. And or a cam made the fade mixer with no EQ. It was yeah. just two channels, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and. From from just watching 
the DJs in the venue, I, I literally knew what to do straight away. I knew when to release the track and I, I kind of understood music back then. It just came pretty easy and it was just a case of just fine tuning everything. It's a similar story for me and a couple of my mates that you've met, yeah. Baz and Gaz, we sort of used to take it in turns and stand behind each other yeah. and, and play records. You know, Gaz had owned the decks and he'd sort of invested in them. Similar to you, he'd left and he went to work at BAE when he was 16. Yeah. So he kind of like had disposable income, if yeah, you like, yeah. other than yeah. like sort of pocket money. Yeah. And he, same thing, more or less exactly the same decks and we would buy records. And and it was yeah it was it was like an obsession wasn't it like yeah, yeah. The, the practicing but uh, similar to you I think we we sort of we all got it we all got yeah. what we were doing and we were fascinated by that side of it yeah, rather yeah. than just purely the, the yeah. clubbing but the two go together don't they it's yeah, like yeah. they feed off each other you, yeah. you go and find out what you like just by going yeah and then you try and find the records of what you like yeah. so on a Friday I would get paid and. There was a record shop in town called InSounds, and I knew the guy, Peter. A lot of the DJs from the venue used to buy their tunes there. So I would go in on a Friday morning and be like, what's so-and-so being buying this week? And it would be like, well, I've kept you these aside. So I would come out of there with maybe like 10 tunes, like pretty much blow blow my wages on <laughs> on, on the tunes. But I would have all, all the new tunes. That and, were, and they weren't that cheap were back then, were they? Eight, nine quid, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, so I had like pretty much what they were playing. I would be playing them on a Friday and then no one else had heard them until that Saturday. I used to spend all my money on my tunes and then have to borrow money off my mum to go out on the Saturday night. <laughs> and then, you know, do it. And there was a point where I was just going every single week for about a year until it it burned down eventually. I think they did an insurance job on it. And what, the club or the record the club, club? The club burned down, yeah. Wow. Yeah, but from then I started listening to different kinds of house music and I started getting into jungle and breakbeat and techno and stuff like that. So Did you buy that as well? Did you buy, buy it all, mix it all up? Or? Yeah, 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 pretty much. Certainly with drum and bass, we had a few of our mates, were, one of them in particular was really good at drum and bass. Things he used to do on the decks was absolutely crazy, yeah. but just almost impossible to do with your kind of yeah. belt drives until the sort of techniques. yeah. yeah, yeah. And the way you could, you know, shift the pitch more. But it, it, I, I loved it and I loved the music. I used to buy the tapes and the CDs. But yeah. mixing it for me was just didn't bring the same sort of joy that yeah. that house did. You could get house quicker, couldn't yeah. you? More, yeah. more, yeah. more of a quick fix. I think you needed to know really what you were doing, unless you were just dropping or chopping. Yeah. yeah. I did this gig. I got asked to do a gig. I'd never done a gig before. I'd obviously played at parties and stuff like that. But so I took my records down. Two Technics 1200s, never played on a pair of Technics before. Totally different to the Sound Labs. And it was just like an absolute nightmare to try and, yeah. they were just so sensitive. I, I managed to get through the gig without horses galloping and stuff like that, but like, right, I'm gonna work overtime, build up some money. And then I think it was about two or three weeks later, I bought a set, bought a set of Technics and... So that was it, yeah. yeah you yeah. wanted to be industry standard. Yeah. yeah. I think I think back then you know technology was different and you know they always were the gold standard but the the, the investment was huge yeah, even yeah. back then wasn't it I mean yeah. you could you could pick up a belt drive I think I think if I remember we we went and you could pick up a belt drive back then it wasn't that cheap they were probably still about 80 quid each so yeah. you you're looking at 160 quid for two and then yeah. like you say a mixer you might spend 
30 or 40 quid. I think yeah. A lot of people start with a camera or a realistic <laughs> yeah. or whatever it was. Realistic, I had one but the jump, jump to Technics was just phenomenal. Yeah. I, I don't even ever think I bought a pair new. Yeah. I bought Barry's. Gaz bought them, sold them to Baz. I bought yeah. them off Baz and probably still paid 450 quid yeah, for... I think I paid 550 for, for me for yeah. the set. But, but they didn't go wrong, did they? No. They were like bulletproof. So you, at this stage, you sort of, what, got a taste for thinking, right, I, I actually fancy doing this playing out in the clubs. Yeah, so it, we, as I started getting into all the like, rave music and that then, and we used to go clubbing, me and my mates used to go clubbing, we used to go like places like Nottingham and Leicester, we went to a place called Die Hard in Leicester. And uh, my favourite DJ was on, DJ Sai. He used to do all the scratching and stuff DJ like Sai? Yeah, yeah, MC Scratchmaster Techno. <laughs> Scratchmaster Techno, Sai yeah. was actually my favourite. Yeah, yeah, I love Sai. Yeah, that's interesting. And, uh, he was on there and I just stood because it was just... The DJ booth looked out into the club, but there was like a little platform on the side of it. So I just stood there and just literally watched him. He, he, he was technically very good. Yeah. And he also... What I found listening to him was... The music he chose was good production levels. Yeah. So I think back yeah. then, the way you got hold of tapes, discussed this on a on a different podcast that I was on yeah. with somebody. You know, we talked about this sort of this qu- this quality that I'm kind of obsessed yeah, with. Yeah. And I think very early on, I I'd switched on that some DJs just seemed to either they knew what they were doing with EQs, yeah. but they also knew which records to choose that sounded better yeah. than other records. Um, and that was something that, that led me to certain DJs. And a bit like you, I was kind of caught between wanting to watch them and see what they were yeah, doing, yeah. but also sort of enjoying the music as, as best I could yeah. because a lot of people peering over the decks, I think some of them, although that's what they wanted and that they were train spotting and they wanted to look yeah. at the labels, they missed actually the impact of the record from the middle of the dance floor. Yeah, yeah. I was just so mesmerised by what he was doing. Cause he was he was pretty much scratching every tune in. I used to scratch myself or I'd like have a go and be, I was like half decent that it it was mind blowing what he was doing, and it was it was like pretty inspirational. Yeah, he, he was he was a talented DJ. Yeah, it was often my my favourite tapes were side tapes. Yeah, um, used to get the big Helter Skelter packs and all yeah. that. Dreamscape. Where, where, yeah, yeah, Dreamscape. Yeah. I mean, where I was from, similar to you, I guess we both grew up in sort of smaller towns. Yeah, when I moved from Manchester, I was only young, but. We lived in a seaside town. Yeah. So apart from like the local venue, like your equivalent, yeah. which was, for me, it was Zone, yours was the venue. Yeah. That I think, step I think up. they played the same kind of music. They did, like, yeah, Italian, Italian house. house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. was like, it was weird because it, it was like a speeded up version. And often you would get tunes that now are older, you recognise as being yeah. quite classic house tunes, but yeah. they were always sort of speeded up, weren't yeah, they? Yeah. It was always piano yeah. Yeah. as well, wasn't it? Was it was always piano. In the high key piano, <laughs> um, and often with a crazy MC shout, yeah, shouting yeah. the odds over the top. Did the did the place where you went? Um, did they have PA's on and stuff like that as well? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. In the in the middle, yeah. um, there was a. Uh, we went to a big. Um, there's a, there's a ma- there was a massive club called the Palace, which was underneath the underneath Blackpool Tower. Tower yeah, and they would have like Fantasia on. They would have different yeah. things on. Um, but when they did, yeah, they would have um, PAs like Dream Frequency, Dream Frequency um, Alison Limerick even, yeah. but then she would sing alongside like rave tunes, yeah, which yeah. a lot of people I think don't quite remember, but they nestled together for a long time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, you'd have a DJ come on, he'd play an hour, wouldn't he? Yeah. He'd come off, they'd come on with a mic and 
15 minutes or yeah something. 15 minutes and and then, I always used to think how much are they getting paid for that 15 yeah <laughs> and I don't I don't know about you but it wasn't quite into that I could I no, understand I, I it I would rather listen to the yeah the DJs. The DJs yeah. yeah yeah the sound was different of course as well because yeah. they needed to they had a yeah. sort of form, almost a lot of the time slightly different sound system in front of the house system yeah, yeah. so you'd get this like two ends of a spectrum sound and you'd stand there and think, yeah, right, how many more have they got? And you yeah. knew they probably had like two tunes that they were yeah, famous, yeah. so at least yeah. it'd be over in like 12 yeah. minutes or whatever. They were, they were the best days of my life, easily. I think there's an ad- advantage though, isn't there, when you're not supposed to be there? Yeah. There's yeah. something about... See, I, never, I never ever went there legally. No. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so by the time you were old enough, you'd sacked it yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Well, it burned down. So then we used to go to... Um, Started getting into the house, so we used to go to Middlesbrough Arena. Loved it there. Then. Was that the Tall Trees or was it Arena? No, before? no. It was it. It was called the Arena, right, in Middlesbrough, and then there was the Empire in Middlesbrough, Sugar Shack. Yep. Um, remember going there quite a bit, and then where else did we go? Tall Trees. That was when I saw John Digweed. And then, oh yeah, the infamous, yeah, the infamous, infamous Radio One opening night. Yeah, I think it was Oakenfold, Paul Bleasdale. Yeah, it was an amazing and, lineup. And John Digweed. And that was that was the night that I was like, what's he playing there? What capacity was that club? I don't know, it was a lot. It was big, wasn't it? Was, it? There was loads of different rooms. I I mean I remember I was I was miles away from me. A lot of my friends who live up this way that I met later on in life when, when my mate came to Union Newcastle, which is how I sort of ended yeah. up here. They they're from round that area, North yeah. York's that kind of way, Middlesbrough, and they all went to that night but there was me sort of sat at home next to the radio and I just remember thinking oh my god it sounds mental there yeah it just sounded like every single person was so yeah like jacked up for I remember it. it now it was it was uh I think it was the end of October so it was Halloween and there was all these like skeletons hanging from the ceiling and and it was like really done up in a Halloween style you know what I mean it was it was it was a great I remember it was freezing Freezing, freezing cold, cold and I remember my mate was drinking a bottle of whiskey on the on the bus. We were all taking swigs just to try and warm up. You know what I mean? It was, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, those early days they are very form formative. I mean, you look back now, and you know we, we discussed before we, we started recording. It's it's easy to look back and just think everything was brilliant when you were a kid yeah. because the nostalgia, those feelings are new, but at the same time. Our gen- our age group, yeah. um, for those listening, Richard and I are the same age, we're, we're sort of 45. I think we were very lucky to have yeah. hit that particular yeah. point in time. Yeah. You know, it was just past the legal raves and like trouble, yeah, yeah, yeah. past the, 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 the rights bill that was all going off in like 92. And I think we got yeah. that bit where it started to explode. Um, and certainly from like 94 to, to probably 97, yeah. that those were some seriously yeah. good... Yeah, good days in the club. Back then, there was no genre breakdown. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like you you go to a tech house night, or you wouldn't you would go to a progressive house night, or it was just a house night. Do you know what I mean? Everything together, everything together, and it, it didn't matter who was on. When you look back at that era, you're right. Like any of the essential mixes, like the big essential yeah. mixes, the, the Q Club, and those kind of things. You know, you had Pete Tong doing his thing. Yeah. Around that time, Oakenfold, just absolutely yeah. massive. Yeah, yeah, Sasha, yeah. Digweed. They all did, like, bump along together. But you, you're right. There was a lot of music that when you are on the dance floor, you didn't go, oh, I'm not listening to this. Yeah. And you'd walk off. Yeah. The vibe 
that everybody had. Yeah, it was just the atmosphere. Yeah. Where it was like... Yeah, people yeah. were really, like, swallowing it up, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. And, and you know, whatever version, like you say, of, of what we now know as all these different versions of the genres of house, it was all just together. And why, you, why, and do you, you, why do you think that is now broken down so much? Um, is, is it to sell to a certain extent? To So you've got your beat parts and stuff like that where you buy your tunes from. Is that basically just to categorise everything? I think humans in particular, like the yeah. way our brains work, we, we like to have things in boxes and we like yeah. to categorise things. Yeah. We like to be able to explain something with a label so that we can easily understand what it is. You know, it's the same with films. You had horror, you had a thriller, yeah. you had a cop movie and you had an action movie. Yeah. Now you've got rom-coms, now you've got rom drum com you've got, you've got <laughs> like, you know, all these different... But you, yeah. but you do understand it because marketing is such that people need to be pointed and steered yeah, towards yeah. something yeah. and it's broken down. Yeah. I think, again, the house music thing's really difficult. The, the term rave now, when you think about when we were younger and people said rave music, yeah. you thought of hardcore. Hardcore, techno, breakbeat. Yeah. Now, yeah. when people say rave, they mean going yeah. to a club. Yeah. They mean it's going totally for a rave or though, yeah. somewhere where is huge it's a rave it's yeah. kind of been put into this this fear yeah. but rave was a sort of style of music yeah. back in the day i mean there were there were some there were some genres garage you know us garage yeah there was house music in terms of like just sort of called house music yeah and then like you say there was techno but realistically it's all house music isn't it it is at the end of the day that's what it is it's it's all house music. It shouldn't be broken down into them categories because you'll get someone who says, "I don't like progressive house." Why? It's 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 just house music. It's yeah. exactly the same. You know what I mean? You, you'll you'll find tunes that you think are progressive, but they're not progressive. They they categorize under deep house or indie dance or whatever. You know what I mean? But like to me, it's just house music. For me, anyway, it's like you four four. The yeah. the, the best descriptions. Were the original descriptions like breakbeat? Yeah, yeah. they weren't four four. Yeah. Drum and bass. It's a drum, it's drum and it's a really heavy bass. bass. Yeah. yeah. Um, techno, I think, has always been an odd one, but probably is the technology kind of yeah. side of it. So I think those four genres have been understood. I think the progressive thing, particularly as we've discussed, the DJs that became massive in this country, yeah, kind of forged that sound. And there's no escaping the fact that back in the mid '90s, your Oakenfolds, you know, before he went into the trance thing, your yeah. Oakenfolds, your Sashes, your Digweed, Dave Seaman, they yeah. were playing a more progressive style. Yeah. Um, Dave Seaman was one of my favourites because he still used to play these big soaring vocal tunes. You know, his yeah, his, yeah. his, his Brothers yeah. in Rhythm remixes were amazing with bands and stuff, but the style was progressive. Um, moving forward kind of progressive and then there was a kind of a period I think if you remember they called it for a while Epic House because it just went on some of the breakdowns that <laughs> Sasha played were like 20, 20 minutes long in a club which arguably didn't help probably yeah. that, that genre yeah. but you ask most people now you know what does Sasha play they wouldn't be able to they wouldn't be able to no, categorise it's it. the same with Digweed I listened to that um, Manchester Cathedral gig a lot of that's like, it's it's techno. It's really slow techno. You know what I mean? And he start, with some electro actually. Yeah, electro. He starts off electro, and he ramps it up, but it doesn't get any quicker. 
No, it's, it's techno played at at the right pace for for an older older generation. Yeah, sort of thing. Because you couldn't go on to a techno gig now and. and well, I couldn't personally and, and listen to techno all day at one forty BPM or one fifty BPM. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah, it it's really it. heavy. Yeah. It's really heavy stuff. That's, that's for kids. For kids, it's also I think for people who probably have always stuck in that genre. Yeah. That, that yeah. really understand it or they get what they need yeah. out of it. Yeah. There are some of the DJs. I mean, for me personally, Jeff Mills. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I'll ever See, get I, it. I didn't get Sasha for a long, long time. I don't know what it was. It was just didn't do anything for us but no, I, can, I can listen to him now but like back in the day it was just like don't get what you're doing flesh that out what do you mean the fact that I liked the more commercially type of sound back then uh, Pete Tong people like that you know what I mean Orton Paul they were more commercial and Sasha was doing the underground thing and Andy agreed to it maybe almost the defining thing about his career was the fact that you could go and watch Sasha and a lot of the DJs did sort of play similar tunes because there wasn't yeah. millions out there. But you'd hear him four months later and he's playing a totally different sound. Yeah, yeah. I remember particularly with Digweed that one of the comments my friends and I used to make is that just when you got your head around what they were doing, you'd go and see them again and you didn't yeah. get what they were doing again. Yeah. That for me was actually the fascination with those yeah. DJs is that I didn't know what was going to happen on the night. You know, Sasha in particular would would do some amazing things with music. When, it must have been 95, I saw him in a place called Angels in Burnley. Yeah. Not traditionally the sort of place you'd expect, Sasha, but again, back then, people, they yeah, did yeah. all the tours of the yeah, towns. Yeah. And he, he did a three-hour set, and for like, all the way through the set, and this is with vinyl, yeah. he would bring in parts of um, Delacey Hideaway before yeah. anybody had heard it. Yeah. You'd hear these drums come in and out, come in and out. And it was things like that that, DJs just, they didn't really do, or, yeah. or if they did, it was more like a party piece, like yeah. Jeremy yeah. Healy, who would, yeah. you know, put in Michael Jackson or do something right. a bit quirky. Um, but to your point, really, there was no real cut-off point where we would say, we're not going out to listen to them. You know, if it was yeah, Jeremy yeah. Healy and Alistair Whitehead, yeah. we'd all go out, because the big group was, we wanted to go out, we yeah. would give it a go. And whoever the DJs were that came to our town in particular, we'd go and see them. I think that was, you, that was the same yeah. for us, yeah. It didn't really matter who was on. We were just going out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's uh, part yeah. of our age, really. Yeah, it is. I, I. Is it like that now? I don't know. You know, I don't know many people that much younger than me, obviously, in social circles. Um, somebody I worked with recently, Harry's, you know, when I met him, certainly he was 21. He's now yeah. about 26. And it's just totally different. The cost of things. Yeah. They tend to go out. I say they. I mean his age group you yeah. know his description of what him and his friends did would be to have one massive massive blowout and that's yeah. it your funds are gone everything's gone you're either waiting for your next wage yeah or or something that you've you know organised with everybody that's going to be massive and you've all decided yeah. we're putting our funds to that yeah see with us when, when we were younger it was like we were just out every week Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday Friday and Saturday we, we would be at clubs. So I'd go to a club in Redcar on a Friday night, then back to the top hat to finish the night off on a Friday night. Two till, clubs? Till 8 o'clock, yeah, <laughs> two clubs till 8 o'clock in the morning. Sleep all day Saturday and then go to the venue on the Saturday night. So wow. I'd, I'd do three clubs in a weekend. 
And it, yeah, you're right. And it was ordinary to go out. It was on yeah, a, on, was on a norm, Wednesday yeah. for a pint with your mates after yeah. after footy. On a yeah. Thursday, Thursdays were a good night out. Yeah. Sundays, if you were if you were absolutely yeah, you know we, mad for it and still we on. Used to, we used to go for a uh, a come down pint on a on a Sunday. Well, the thing just to come I, down from the weekend. I think that's <laughs> the uh, there was there wasn't the sort of luxuries of staying in. Yeah, there, you didn't have yeah, you didn't devices. Have, you didn't yeah. have your means of going out and seeing your friends yeah. were actually getting out of the house. Yeah. You know, you remembered everybody's telephone number off the top of your head. Yeah. The only time you used the phone was to say, I'll see you outside spa at half eight yeah. or half six. You were quick to get out. Yeah, and you only had four channels on your telly. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. There's no point stopping in. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was way before like channel five, wasn't it? side on or something like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> if you weren't into mainstream culture, if you were, you know, you didn't want to sit in front of the telly, did you? And watch, no, watch no. like... Strike it lucky with your parents. You, you wanted to get yeah, out, yeah. and of course things were more exciting in a way because everything was new. We're trying stuff. You know, bars were like a feeder to the club because, yeah. of course, you, yeah. you you cleared out, didn't you, of the pub yeah, and the yeah. bar? Yeah. Before eleven. Yeah. So a club was like the destination. So like in Bishop, where where we used to go for a drink, and they didn't have any clubs, so it was the pubs that were putting stuff on. Yeah, there was there was two pubs mainly, three. Almost the post years, which had a night called All Things Nice, which is where All Things House idea came from. Oh, um, that was where we got our house music fix. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was there that that basically that sound. You'd go, you'd go anywhere until it got burned down. Didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's still standing. It's still standing. <laughs> Back room of a pub. Yeah. So yeah, that, I mean that's that's probably your formative years of getting through house. Um, you've told me that you abandoned dance music. I which did. Which is quite did. controversial in yeah. terms of what we do now. Yeah. Tell us a little um, bit about what what's what happened. Was there a fork in the road? And there was. Um, I heard Oasis, and I was just like, "What the hell is that?" You know what I mean? I remember me and my mates. We used to go to this uh, to the river. It was called Walton Lido, and my um, mate had the definitely maybe tape in his car, and we were all just like, "What the hell is this? We've never heard it before." And he was like, "Oh, it's a band called Oasis." So this is like ninety four, right? Ninety four, nineteen ninety four, yeah. Anyway, I kind of got into them a little bit, but I was still really into the in, in, into the dance stuff. And then, 95, I remember we were in my mate's bedroom and it was about five o'clock in the morning. We'd been out all night. Come back to my mate's house and um, we put Radio 1 on and it was Annie Mac. And she played back to back the two strangest tunes you'll ever hear back to back. So it was Josh Wink, High State of Consciousness. <laughs> this was the first time that it had ever been played on, on radio. And the first time that Don't Look Back in Anger had been played so we were just sat there and, mind blown yeah and Annie Mack played Josh Wink and she her words were what is this and we were just sat there going what is this and then she played st- straight into um, Don't Look Back in Anger and that I just thought what the hell is this this is just going to be massive and it, and it was yeah. do you know what I mean but I think from, from that point on I just thought I want a guitar so I just went and bought one. 
the band you've cited there yeah swept the nation yeah I'm a northern lad originally from Manchester yeah you know Pub anthems, what we yeah. now describe as lads, lads, lads. It was just mega. Back then, there wasn't this reference to the Beatles at first. There, there wasn't yeah, that yeah. kind of. It was just. It was just. Yeah, it was just massive. Working class, and you could relate to that. You know I, mean? I would agree, and and I think to a certain extent, there was a crossover. The, the yeah. people did switch onto yeah. that. They didn't yeah. see it as out and out commercial. Yeah, I personally didn't see it as out and out rock and roll either, yeah, because yeah. you kind of could yeah. access it on the radio, but. A lot of people were one or the other. Yeah. See, I did both for a bit. And then the dance pretty much fizzled out. Although I did I did do a few gigs. Uh, my mate knocked on my door one day and said, do you want to do some gigs with us? And he's like, I've got a sound system, but I've got no decks. And I've got no records. <laughs> but he booked it. <laughs> but he booked it anyway. He's hoping you were going to yeah. say yes. And I said, well... <laughs> How much? <laughs> and he said, we'll get a hundred quid each. And I was like, I right, can on then. So Decent did. money back then. It was decent money, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we used to take turns at headlining. So it was every other week. So I would play like house warm-up set and then he would play the Italian house. And then he would play the warm-up set and then I would play the Italian house a couple of weeks yeah. after. But it just took off. It went mental. So there would be like people in from seven o'clock when we started till like half 11 on the night and then, and the, the barman kept coming around and going like, that's it lads no more and everyone <laughs> last one one more bang on the table <laughs> one more one more so we ended up playing till like 12 half 12 and that was that was my first taste of like being in control of it yeah yeah and uh, I loved it I loved it but I loved guitars more I mean, I, I don't know this about you. This is one of the sort of joys of, of us being friends yeah, already, yeah. but not having talked about this before. Yeah. Do, you, do you think there's an element of you that is a performer? Or do you think that when you see somebody doing something, you just think, I could do that? Yeah. And, and yeah. You, you, you're confident enough to have a go? Yeah, I think, that, I think I'll just have a go at anything. I wouldn't say I'm a performer. I'm quite shy. Stick a microphone in front of like not this one, but stick a microphone in front of us and or put me on the spot and I'll I'm quite shy I, I won't but this is it but this is I mean? interesting but, isn't it because yeah. these formative like performances or these you know live gigs if you like because yeah. whether they're decks or whether it's yeah. a guitar it's like it's in front of people if, if yeah. shit goes wrong you're there yeah. you've got to deal with it yeah. it takes a lot of balls some people just blindly go ahead and do it but back then like you, you made reference to you know you had to be plugging speakers in you had to be sort of like borrowing and begging bits of wires yeah, and yeah. you know you sort of ramshackle yeah. together a sound system yeah. and you know people perhaps they were a bit more forgiving about what it would sound like yeah but you're still performing it's yeah, on yeah. you if it goes yeah. wrong what you're gonna do yeah did you ever have that kind of like sh- shit yourself anxiety or did you just crack on with the band the first ever gig i was literally bricking it because i was the oldest in the band and i was like supposedly the more experienced of us all, you know what I mean? I wrote all the songs and stuff like that. I tried, I tried not to show it because the other lads would have, like... Our, yeah. dr- our drummer was 15 at the time, 14 or 15. So you had to be a leader, yeah. really, didn't you, as well? Yeah. Then? yeah, so I was, like, kind of the band leader. That's a jump. Did you literally pack the decks away? Yeah, I sold them. Sold all my tunes. Biggest mistake of my life. I must, I must have had at least a 1,000 tunes. 
I was working in I was working at a, in a factory and um, there was a lad. Um, his son had bought some decks and he was looking for some tunes and I, I just said, "You can have mine. I'll sell you mine." I think I sold them for about three hundred quid, which is about thirty pence each or something. You know, what I mean? but like the biggest biggest regret ever. It's difficult though, but but then you didn't you didn't know you didn't no, know I, what I it was going to become. No, no. So sold me decks. Obviously bought a guitar, learned pretty quick. Started a band with a few of my mates. Uh, my best mate was on the drums, one lad on bass, and the other lad used to sing. Putting those steps together, did you pick up a guitar and you could just do it? And then you thought, uh, I'm going to get a band together? Or did you know... So, of- back then, there was no YouTube or anything. So, I bought a, a chord book, just trying to learn these chords. And then it was literally... I'd, I'd been trying, like, I don't know if you play the guitar, but like, it's, it's, oh, I've quite, tried. it's, just it's quite hard to move your fingers when you when you don't very... know what you're doing. It was literally, uh, I couldn't play one day, and then the next day I could. Did you click? It clicked. It was, it was just something overnight clicked. So yeah, we started a band. My mate could play the drums. One of my other mates could play the bass. Um, And another lad thought he could sing. <laughs> um... So we used to practice. We never did any gigs or anything like that, which was probably a good thing because we were rubbish, you know what I mean? But we would, we would do like, we would do covers we hadn't written anything or so we would play like, have you heard a band called Spiritualized? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love them. Um, we would play a couple of their tunes and a band called The Stooges. Iggy Pop was the singer. Um, Sex Pistols, Oasis. We were just basically messing about. Yeah. We used to get drunk. And mess about. Thrash, and thrash about yeah, with, the, yeah. with the instruments. Yeah, but it got a little bit serious one time. These people had heard us, had invited these people down who, who were looking for a band. So we were like, oh my God, there's someone coming to watch us. So anyway, we, um, we started the intro to um, Columbia by Oasis. And I, I don't know if you know of it. It's three chords. So I cranked my amp right up. So I hit the first chord and my amp blew up. <laughs> it was just smoke coming out the back of the amp and I, we were just like right that's it that's did it. you just hear the doors yeah. at the back yeah. swinging short they, were, they, were, they, were, they just went like that is that it I was like right my amp's knackered <laughs> my amp's just blown up it's going to cost us about 500 quid to fix it but yeah so yeah I think it was I think that was like pretty much fate smiling down on us that we didn't do a gig because we were we were awful so what age were you at that point yeah I was 19 hmm. So yeah, then the lad who was singing just didn't want to sing anymore, basically because he wasn't a very good singer. So I tried to sing and play the guitar, which was it was really hard because I was just learning the guitar as well. So really hard in terms of like the way your brain works. Yeah, or so it's really like hard because I need to concentrate on one thing. Yeah get good at that and then maybe I'll try and sing but I was I was trying to do it all together and I got pre- I got alright at it but like it was amateur you know what I mean so do, do I mean as as quote unquote band leader yeah um, I wasn't back then not, not that no one, not so that do, so so I mean that's that's quite an undertaking isn't it to go yeah. right I'll try and sing as well yeah you know and, then, and this I guess you know as we talk you know I like to hear the person I know you as today yeah you're quite fearless in that way and I think yeah, that's yeah. A huge component of 
trying to be successful at something is is getting yeah. over the potential hiccups. Yeah. Being anxious about something that hasn't happened, which is what anxiety is, yeah, affects millions of people now. It's so common practice. But it's it's sort of nice to hear that, you know, you've pretty much, from the sounds of it, stayed the same. You'll go, well, I'll have a go at that. Yeah. You're not too worried about getting egg on your face. No, no, I'm not frightened of having a go at something. I think it, I was just born to do something musical. I don't, I'm not, I'm not very good at anything else apart from your work. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's, it's the only thing that interests me to have a go at doing something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a really nice point. I think, you know, times in my life when I've been, you know, you get asked, what's your favourite thing or, yeah. you know, what, what do you love the most? Or, it used to be like football or, you Yeah, you do sort of, in, in your sort of more younger years, you kind of think about it in terms of hobbies, but, as a as a holistic thing, you know, if I didn't have music, yeah, I just don't know what I'd do. I mean, you hear songs years later that you heard a thousand times, yeah, and the radio will come on, or these days Alexa or whatever you, yeah, yeah. thing you've got going on, and a, and a tune you've heard a hundred million times will come on, and suddenly you hear the words differently, and you're like, ah, yeah. oh, I've never thought of that like that, yeah, and I think f- from that kind of end of the spectrum right to like when I watch documentaries and they've got like tribes playing Af- African like rhythms and they're yeah. doing dances or rituals or stuff like that and you hear rhythms and beats which practically is what house yeah. mu- music is yeah. you've got these two ends of the spectrum where you realise that music and humans they're inseparable yeah imagine a world with no music it'd, oh. it'd be weird wouldn't it yeah and, and particularly with like singers you know, my, my wife's a singer yeah. and did it professionally for, for a long time. The, the voice as an instrument is just something else. So some of the people that I've seen in concert over the years, particularly more recently, have been because they are so unique. It yeah. might not be the music I particularly like, but you have to appreciate it in terms yeah, yeah. of what a voice, a career that's gone on for yeah. so long. And also, particularly with singing, the words can mean so much. Yeah. And then the rest, the melody or whatever falls in place for me. Yeah. But I think from an early age, I was heavily into music. I, I kind of, yeah. I remember yeah. having like a little tiny brown sort of Fisher Price yeah. tape thing, with like massive batteries. Probably must have only been like five or six. Yeah. I remember having a tape and listening to it. First things in music for me was like my dad playing stuff in the car, like... Madness and Dire Straits and yeah. Eagles and stuff like that, you know what I mean? But like, I think that's that's basically where me, me love of music came from. Right. Just being in the car and listening to listening to radio or his tapes, you know what I mean? It, it was. It's the only place you could access it, wasn't it? Yeah. Was was from yeah. your parents yeah. or later, slightly later on for me, from siblings. Yeah. Um, a lot of the music in the house that I would listen to would be coming out of my, my sister's bedroom yeah. or my brother's. They were sort of two ends of the 80s spectrum. Yeah. And then my dad, massively into classical music, which has yeah. never, never, ever been my thing. Yeah. But his appreciation of it is probably akin to what I feel yeah, about yeah. Yeah. electronic music. So, you know, the huge influences of music is normally the people that are nearest to you. Yeah. Although, although inevitably, like we've discussed, you get to an age, don't you, where you want to find your own thing. Yeah, and that, that's I think that's when 
I heard that Enjoy song and I was just like, right, this is my thing now. Yeah. For a while anyway. There's like a thirst to get more yeah. of that thing. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah, was, that was the thing back then though, because that was like when that kind of music was just coming into the mainstream. So for me, at 14, 13, 14 years old, hearing that was like, what's this? You know what I mean? Like, because it was underground before that, right? It's getting in, it's getting in now, and it's you can hear it on top of the pops. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas before, and uh, Dexy's Midnight Runners or you know, yeah, really trad. Yeah, I mean, th- th- I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is that commercially, it's unavoidable once a sound starts to become more known, more yeah. public, you're going to make money out of it. A, a lot so of people say that's when rave music started to die, and but to a lot of people, that was when it was born. Mm. Do you know, for, like especially for me, because I'd never heard it before. It's the, it's the oldest debate, you know, the underground and the overground. Yeah, and and. You remember us saying, like, you know, if you were a band and you wrote a song, you'd want as many people to hear it. And it's the same with, with tunes. Yeah. You know, if, if a massive amount of people enjoy something, more people want to hear it, you know, invariably investment's going to come. Yeah. That band's going to get popular. I think I think one of the I, biggest I, crossovers I just, for me was M people. Do you remember sort of yeah, when yeah. they exploded? Because yeah. they exploded at the same time as kind of like CDs came out. Yeah. So you could, all of a sudden, you could hear this music on a CD and it was like... Wow, the quality yeah. of this is amazing. Yeah, they 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 sort of really captured my imagination because of the kind of Graham Park era, Mike Picker, and all that sort of hacienda stuff. That was kind of like my crossover. Yeah, and um, was was probably M people. Not yeah. I've not really thought of that till till now. Um, the beloved, I love the beloved. Yeah, they were kind of John Marsh sort of similar. CDs meant better quality, didn't it? It meant more investment. Um, I, I didn't like CDs when they first came out. I was always always vinyl. They were dead always. expensive though, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. So you you could get like an album on vinyl for five or six quid or something like that, and then a CD. Some of them were like twenty odd quid. You know what I mean? It was just like I'm not paying twenty odd quid when I just buy a vinyl <laughs> or get the tape. For, yeah, yeah. For four ninety nine. Get your mate to get it yeah. on CD and then record <clears throat> it onto tape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, CDs have gone now, haven't they? Pretty much. Yeah, mine are all in the garage. Yeah, kind of. Mine are For a little while while I was training, yeah. I would go in and I would listen to all the Global Undergrounds, all the Renaissance, yeah. and my little Sony MIDI hi-fi system just decided one day, nah, I'm not, I'm not playing any more CDs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm retiring. <laughs> so I'm sort of stuck looking at it. It's got a mini display and a tape deck. So I was like, well, that's the CDs finished. Managed yeah. to find a couple of tapes, put them yeah. in, laughed at the quality of yeah. them. Um, so I've certainly still, haven't I've got any mini discs I've still got a tape of me DJing in really? my bedroom and my mate MCing no yeah. way yeah Richard we need to no, we need to hook this up you never ever ever hear it it's really 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 bad <laughs> oh no I think that's an after party type party trick that you should get out but I'll, I'll never ever get rid of that tape because um, my mate my mate died he um, died when he was about 30 I think so what the guy on the t- on the table yeah yeah yeah, so, that, so that's like a keepsake. Memory. That. Yeah. yeah. We can hear his voice. Yeah. yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's rare, isn't it, that you could record somebody's voice yeah. and you home, like, video or whatever. Yeah. So it's sentimental. Yeah, that, that's a big sentimental thing for, for me, that. That's a keeper. Well, I'll, I'll let you off. I'll let you off there. <laughs> so I'll, no one's here with that. You, yeah, <coughs> I won't make you put it on SoundCloud. <laughs> <laughs> or a podcast. You, you'd, you'd turn off after a minute or something. <laughs> it's that bad. 
So, neatly, that sort of leads us on to what people probably nowadays or certainly over the last couple of years have got to know you better for, which is you've come out of the band thing, which you did yeah. for a long time. You were, you, yeah. were gig- you were gigging, I take it, and then... I gigged, uh, probably, I was gigging for 20-something years. Played everywhere, you name it, I played it. But um, What was the final straw then? Final straw was, in a band, is... It's really, really hard work. And if you're not all pulling in the same direction, then you might as well just call it a day. And we were all so dedicated for for three or four years. We were that well rehearsed. We never made mistakes and we got really, really good. We went to, we got this offer from a guy in London. He was the manager of some band and he was, he was working for a record label and stuff like that. And, um, Basically, he was a con man. Oh. He was a con man, which right. we didn't find out until we'd uh, signed a contract with him to, for him to be our manager. Yeah, cut a long story short, he he, um, he he tried to rip us off. So he was supposed to be doing stuff for us. We, we were doing gigs in the meantime, and after about eight weeks of literally nothing, contact from him or anything, he, he popped up one day and said, you owe me such and such amount for for the gigs you've done what like a fee what like a fee yeah or a fee like... a management fee for the gigs that he'd done nothing mystery, to book. mystery management you know thing. what I mean yeah so I contacted some people on this music forum um, just said is there any solicitors in, in the in the forum um, this guy piped up and said yeah I'm a solicitor he said what's your problem I explained it I said look we've signed a, a three year deal with this guy and He's promised the world and he's like literally delivered, delivered nothing. He um he got us out of the contract. He wrote us this big, long thing saying that he hadn't stuck to his stipulations and stuff like that. And we had to send it recorded delivery and make sure that he got it. And Serious we, stuff, yeah? Yeah. So that just like brought us down to earth. That, you know, it, it's so like hard to make it. Because we'd had that little bit of hope that, right, this is it, you know what I mean? He, he was name-checking Pink Floyd, Adele, you know what I mean? He was working in these circles. The night before we went down and met him, he he put this gig on with Pete Doherty, and we were supposed to play that, but our guitarist couldn't make it that night, so... We, oh, really? We missed... so, so there's no reason, really, not... There was no reason to suspect him? No, nah, no reason at all. He had the right yeah. contacts? Yeah, and... Um, he was saying one of the one of the bands he was on was was due on um, Jules Holland and stuff like that. And if we'd been a bit more savvy and not like kind of starstruck by the by the opportunity, we'd have just gone on Google and googled him and and checked his background. But like we were just five five mates mm. who who happened to be in a band together, and we were just like, this is it, you know. We, we, as far as you know, it everything we worked been doing for other people as well for the last ten years we're going to go and do it now, you know what I mean? We, we were that good as a, as a group that we didn't, like like I say, we didn't make mistakes or, you know, people people liked our music and the, we were doing like, we were doing gigs to 5,000 people sometimes, you know what I mean? It was like... So you were right on the cusp? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, that basically just sucked the life out of us. Was he, was he, was he there for just really just an opportunist or had he got something was he a career a career con man I honestly don't know and uh, we had a bit of a ding dong with him and 
and uh, when we sent that letter, it was just we didn't hear from him again. I guess the difficulty is the contract part, isn't it? Because yeah. even if somebody's full of sh- yeah. shit the, yeah. and you write a contract yeah. and you're legally stuck in it, well, I'm glad you got out of it. Yeah, yeah. Because he, I think we did about five gigs, and he was wanting like he was wanting about three or four hundred quid for the, for these gigs. You know what I mean? We were just like. We had these gigs booked before we even signed with you, and we were doing them under a different band name as well because they were cover gigs. We were just going playing Oasis mm. and Blur and Kings of Leon and stuff like that, just for the money mm. to run the band van and pay for recordings and stuff like that. So it was just like pocket money, but he was he was basically just trying to so, take so, money so out. So when of when that happened, which must have been hard to get over, yeah. In terms of not just get over like the stress of it or whatever, but also yeah. hard to get over. Like you said, you've you thought you've got to this peak. Yeah. Now you're the other side going down again. So did the lads? Did you all lose sort of faith together? We we still sit, um, stayed together, but it was um, for me personally that was game over. Do you know what I mean? It was like, do I really want to be in a business that's going to be like that? And lost, lost the passion for it yeah and that's that's never come back I, I stayed in the band and we still used to write, write and record and stuff like that but like it's just not in me anymore mm. sort of thing so all things house so when was there a gap yeah. then between so, letting the dust settle and yeah so um, I think we played our last gig something like December or something like that and then um, I went on holiday to Turkey big resort big posh resort thing and um, the music was just they would have Ministry of Sound shows on and stuff like that and and that that moment then is when I fell back in love with, with house music you know what I mean it was just the, the tunes were class and I'd never seen anyone play on digital decks and I'm stood watching this DJ and going what is he doing pushing this button <laughs> to cue to cue the tune you know what I mean and press and play and that because that I was just used to playing on vinyl, mm-hmm. and I'd only ever seen people playing on vinyl, and it was um, yeah, and, and it's a hugely yeah, it was, analog it world just, being in a band, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's yeah, hugely yeah, like amps, yeah. plugs, leads. Yeah, yeah. So that that just sparked me interest, and I was just like, "What is he doing?" So the day I get back, I want to buy some decks. I want to go to phase one in Darling, and I'm going to buy some decks. So I did. Literally got off a plane, dumped our cases. Went straight to phase one. Right, Mike, what can I buy? What What do you recommend? And because um, phase one, a darling DJ shop. Oh is, yeah, yeah. Is where I bought me sound labs all them years ago. So that was the only place that I knew. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, "Well, how much you want to spend?" I said, "Well, basically, I'm a beginner. I want to get back into it." And he said, "Well, don't buy something really cheap, but don't go too expensive." So. He um he picked us a RX two, so you got like an RX two pair of headphones and some speakers. Little bundle. Yeah. So he was like, right, there you go, on your way. And like, I literally didn't have a clue about where you get your music from. Uh, I didn't know you had to put it into a computer to to get it back onto the decks. So I had to learn all that. But that's that's the beauty now of YouTube where. Like learning guitar, didn't have that. Yeah, you know what I mean. But yeah, different world. Yeah, so yeah, that was that was me. And from that from that day that I got the decks, I've literally been on them probably every single day. 
this discussion, the things that I sort of pull out of is you're quite impulsive, but when you decide you're going to do something, yeah. you do it. Yeah. And you're not deterred from having to learn. I mean, definitely criticism of, you know, my wife's probably in the time we've been together for me is, you know, I have mad ideas. I take, I take a lot on. I try and do a lot of things. Yeah. But in a similar experience to you, for a long time, probably half the time you were gigging, I was doing sport. Yeah. You know, I had a thing happen in my life that sort of woke me up and, and I decided that, that I would get back to playing sport. Yeah. So for a good sort of eight years, all I thought about was running, cycling and swimming. Yeah. Again, impulsive, go yeah. out, get a bike. Yeah. Albeit second hand, but wanted a good bike. Yeah. Uh, wanted a training bike, wanted all this stuff, you know, and, and also prepared to put the effort in. But when that kind of, no sort of disaster story, but when the buzz wasn't there, the sort of last race, and you've trained for so long, yeah. and you get that feeling of going, hmm, why am I doing this? Yeah. You know, the training itself was the bit. It's like an iceberg. The yeah. tip of the iceberg was the race. Yeah. The underneath yeah. bit, all the hard work yeah. was the training. And I just had this hole. And I said to her, and I was on the couch in there, and I remember saying to her, I think I'm done with that. Yeah. And she was like, really? And I went, yeah, I'm not going to not exercise. Like, I have to, because I'm yeah. bloody hyperactive. I've, yeah. got, I've got to do it yeah. um, for my well-being and my, and my mental health. Yeah. But I just had this hole. And it, and it was 2017, and similar to you, I was like, hmm. I kind of had, I think I had about 500 records left. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to buy some decks. Um, I've, where I do all my mixing, I'll, I'll, I'll show you after this. Yeah. There was, there's space. So that's one thing. Is I yeah, knew yeah. that I had a place to do this yeah. and it wouldn't interrupt like our life. And did a bit of research. Went online, found some decks. Um, so you went back went, on vinyl? Yeah, 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 because I had the vinyl there. Yeah. Um, I knew I wanted direct drives. Yeah. Um, so bought some decks and they weren't Technics um, they were like Vestax yeah. bought some Vestax um, had a a decent mixer that I'd had for years um, sold that for really cheap and put the rest of the money to a slightly better mixer yeah. and um, got them all set up in the garage got everything right I, I remember my maiden voyage said am I right can't wait for this. I'm going to yeah. see you in there. I think it was about October as well, so it wasn't particularly warm. Got in the garage, cranked them up, stood there for two hours. I thought, what the fuck have I done this yeah, for? Yeah, I did exactly the same. I struggled and struggled and struggled. And, and, and it wasn't that I couldn't mix. It was that it was boring. Yeah. The, the, the limitations of vinyl all came flooding back. Yeah. You either... Play the whole record and then try and crunch your mix. Yeah. Or you do what every DJ does that plays vinyl. You just practice mixes. Yeah. And I didn't get the enjoyment out of it. I was cold. I stood around. Yeah. I'd forgotten all the things. Oh, you need decent needles. Why? Because like yeah. some vinyls like paper thin, some vinyls <laughs> like double yeah. thick. And I came in and she's like, are you all right? I went, oh, I, I think I've made a mistake here. Well, I did, I did exactly the same thing. I bought some Technics. This was only like two years ago. I still had about 100 tunes left. In my mum's um, garage, so I thought I'm 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 gonna buy some Technics. So I bought them that day. <laughs> <laughs> I 
talk about impulsive. Impulsive. <laughs> Dom was like, "We well, back to phase why, one. Why are you doing phase one? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? You don't play vinyl." I was like, "I know, but I've got some vinyl, so I want to give it another go." You know what I mean? And then, yeah, so I bought some Technics, and I started mixing. Yeah, got back on like decent standard and. I thought, right, I'm going to have to buy some tunes. I'm going to buy, buy some new tunes. And I went to the record shop and these tunes are like 10 quid each. And I was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> For one tune is, is 10 quid. Yeah. And, 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 and ironically... Back in the day, you didn't have an, another, another option. No. Do you know what I mean? And, and also, ironically, more yeah. records were being made then. Yeah. Whereas yeah. now, it's like if it goes to vinyl, it's yeah. super special, but <laughs> it's obviously quite... Yeah. It's either really rare... Yeah. Or it's really commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I quickly um, got rid, sold sold the tunes and sold the decks and I bought an XZ. And I already had the two CDGs. So. Well, you, you trumped me because I, when I sold the decks, I went for a tiny, tiny little tractor. Yeah. Um, God, I can't remember what it's called now, like Z1 or something. Yeah, I've never ever used Tractor. It was like a little two, a little two channel, because similar thing. I was like, right, I think I've learned my lesson here. I flogged yeah. the deck, got my money back for them. There was no problem with that. Yeah. I did actually find somebody and sold my vinyl, similar to you, should I have done it? You know, I'd actually got it, my vinyl down from about 3,000 to 500 really good yeah. ones. Yeah. I found a good home for them, met the guy... Um, he was on a he was on a works do. I drove down, met him halfway. We had a really good chat. He just knew his music, and I yeah. felt like I was giving my children over to somebody yeah. who was going to look yeah. after them. You know, he knew all the records. He gave me a few back and said, "Oh, I've got them. You keep them," yeah. which was which yeah. was great. And um, I'll never forget the picture. I took a picture in the driveway out here, saluting them in the back of the boot, <laughs> and off they went. Yeah, raised about probably raised about seven hundred and fifty quid. Yeah. But I was dead cautious after this experience with the, with the vinyl. So I got this little X one. Had a computer at the time. Yeah. Um, a Mac. Um, it's the one still upstairs, like yeah. a two thousand and thirty nine Mac, and put it in the garage. Um, so I had a big screen, yeah. and I just had this little controller. Now, this is the good bit about having come from vinyl. Yeah. And I think you'll agree. You just get it. Yeah. You, you, See, I didn't, you just, you, I didn't, oh, you didn't? I, no, I didn't get it. So when I when I first got the digital decks, I didn't I didn't I didn't know that you could cue and press play. <laughs> well, obviously I did because it says on the thing. But like I was I was still letting the tune go and you know what I mean. Letting, treating the jog wheel like a, treating the like jog vinyl. like like a vinyl mm. play. You know what I mean? Didn't get it at all. Well, <laughs> did, did, and it was only like from watching. You know, I used to put Carl Cox and stuff, stuff like that on, and it's, that's watch what funny. he was doing. It's 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 interesting that because the bit the bit I've left out really was that although I didn't DJ, yeah, I did make mixes, yeah. So from as far back as I can remember, I had um, Sony Acid Pro on the computer, yeah, and I always made a mix one every month. Yeah. I've got. A, hard drive full of mixes that go back to like 2002 yeah when I stopped playing vinyl it was about 2005 begrudgingly went to um the back then it was CDs yeah used to do a mix of CDs vinyl got through it 
and then sort of stopped playing. But I, I just talked to Sony Acid Pro. Yeah. And Sony Acid Pro, just like like the screen we're looking at here, it's just wave format. Yeah. So once you put all your lined up all your tracks, got them beat mapped. That's what you did. You, yeah. you put them in, beat mapped them, and practically just layered them up. And it was you know very quick and easy fix for me. Something I felt I needed to do. I you know I, I I challenged myself. I didn't just do easy mixes. I was very much into the music, finding it. Had a Beatport account like yeah. Beatport first opened. I was like account holder. Yeah. You know it was like this is ace. Paying seventy nine p, or yeah. even then it I think it was forty nine p a track. Yeah. Compared to like we were saying vinyl. Yeah. So the the whole experience with Acid Pro. When I then came to look at it on screen digitally, I was like, well, it's, exact, well, it's just exactly the same thing. Yeah. So we come from off the ends of the spectrum there, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because I just sort of got it. And then very quickly thought, now we're talking. I could, I could be really creative yeah. and, and really sort of enjoy everything that was happening, the effects and stuff. So I traded in the little two channel and then got a much, a much bigger tractor with jog wheels effects four yeah. channels and i was just away but ironically still using a mouse <laughs> so yeah. I, was like, I was like if i ever get a gig yeah if i ever get a gig i'm gonna have to take my imac this thing yeah a mouse a keyboard <laughs> i'm gonna turn up not like i'm gonna give it an office like yeah. presentation or something so after a couple of years I think there was a measurement at which I thought, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying this and I'm getting better. Yeah. Um, I then started to do live streams on Facebook. Yeah, that's when that's how I saw you. On um, and then I just suddenly thought, right, if if this is going to go, if this is going to go to another level, I need to be on what would be yeah. recognised as industry standard yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't justify nor afford getting the CDJs. Yeah. Um, not not with any good conscience anyway that 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 it would be a sound investment living here things that needed to be done to the house yeah. that was that was considerable money priorities yeah priorities yeah. so it was a long time really before i suddenly got my my xz yeah you know that came in lockdown for so was that the first time that you'd played on that pioneer stuff or, yeah. had, or had you played no no out at all no, no. um i'd i'd played on i'd played on um, the original CDJs. Yeah. So the jog wheel, the r- the rough look of it, but yeah, of course yeah. that compared to what this is, yeah, yeah. Is yeah, totally different. Plus, you were still using the jog wheel. Really, yeah. there wasn't the buttons, the sync. There wasn't yeah. the kind of you you mixed then a bit like you did with vinyl. Yeah. So there was an element actually. You're yeah, right. Yeah. Where I, at first I thought, right, what am I going to use the jog wheels kind of like vinyl? Yeah. I still put it in vinyl mode, by the way. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I just prefer it. Yeah. I don't. I don't. It's weird in CDJ mode. Yeah, I, it's, the track stutters. Yeah, it does stutter, and that's yeah. irritating in your ear when you're yeah. queuing up. Yeah. So that was then a case of saying, right, I I need to learn this kit. Yeah. You know, not necessarily DJing, but the kit. Yeah. It, it it became about knowing the technology and what to do with it. I've got a, the biggest library of music. It's ridiculous. I've got like three hundred gig of music. Yeah. So I, unlike you, I had all digital tunes from when I was using Acid Pro. Yeah. So I was off straight away with. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I know 
they work with I this. didn't even have a laptop. <laughs> wow. So, so I bought a Dex, couldn't use them. <laughs> I had to borrow me Mrs's laptop and just like, what do you do here? What do you do? And I had to go on YouTube and like, how, how do you get started with record box? Do you know what I mean? I did not have a clue. So I was starting from scratch. A good few weeks just to build up so, so you, a decent so amount of tunes. You've gone right from basically going, I'll have a go at this, buying these decks. And then... Couldn't even switch them on for two weeks. <laughs> just to put more pressure on yourself. <laughs> I'm going to start promoting gigs. Yeah. How have you gone so quickly from like um, YouTube tutorials to right, like putting no, on gigs? No, so um, before lockdown, um, my mate had a club in Bishop. And uh, I begged him for a gig. And he was like, no, you're not good enough. And I was like, oh, man, you know what I mean? I've I, I played when I was a kid. I was, I'm, I'm all right, you know what I mean? For a club that gets no one in, I'm all right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? From a club with no audience, yeah, cause was, I'm good enough. There's never anyone in. So he was like, no, I'm not putting you on. And I was like, oh, yeah, mate, put us on, put us on. Do us a favour, put us on. And he, he eventually gave in. So I went down, played this gig. He said, oh, you can go on first, mind. So I went on first. Straight after I straight after I played, he was like, "Do you want to be a resident?" <laughs> so, so I got a residency there, but it was like, it was about three or four months before lockdown, and this was on just like once a month. So I did three, three or four gigs. And then lockdown happened, and then it was just like, right, how do I meet the right kind of people? Um, so I started Transmission Lost. I thought I I can't go to them and say. You know, I'm this person, I do this. I'll make them come to me. So Transmission Lost was, I just basically set up a SoundCloud account and said, right, does anyone want to send any mixes? I've set this SoundCloud thing up. I'm going to start putting gigs on when lockdown's over because at the, at the time we didn't know how long it was going to last or anything like that. We, we were told like three weeks, you know what I mean? So basically... Transmission Lost, people used to send mixes in. They used to go out on a Friday. Some of them got quite a few listens. You did one yourself, didn't you? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, set a Facebook page up. Basically, Transmission Lost was me saying, I'm here. It's more and more evident to me that what you fundamentally understand is that if you're going to do something, the end goal could be performing it to yeah. people. Yeah. But also building a community around that is really yeah. important. 2019 is when I started Progressive House UK yeah. and I had a similar thought that it was it was great that I could DJ and I could play on Facebook I can, and, and I had a SoundCloud account from year yeah. dot yeah. and I could put these mixes out and I used to actually distribute my mixes funnily enough yeah. I distribute I had an email list I used to distribute them so I knew that I could get decent listens but one of the things similar to you was instead of just throwing your mixes out into the yeah. the big black hole, how do you create the right environment? And I'd seen several online communities, if you like, on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. And done a bit of stuff with with a few of them. Done a done a guest mix. I won't go into the ins and outs of it, but basically decided that if I was potentially providing content, yeah, for somebody else. Bearing in mind my marketing background, which was constantly making content for, yeah. for my job, I just thought I'll have a go at doing this myself. And at least if yeah. I've got an audience for my music, it's 
laser focused. It's people that want to hear it or are in the right yeah. uh, community. And I guess it, it, in 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 a way, slightly fortunate for what I was doing is we moved into lockdown a year yeah. later. Yeah. So online was all people had. Yeah. But I've been very very nervous about what you obviously take to more naturally, which is bringing it into real life. Real life, yeah. I just think it's got it's got to be real life because you go online now, if you're looking at people streaming and stuff like that, there's no one on. You get the odd one where they've got a good following, like um, Mark Plum from um, Middlesbrough. He has loads of people on his streams, but he's, he's built up that community over lockdown. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And then... But he he does gigs as well, so I just think gigs are the way forward, and and that's why I, I did set up All Things House and our Early Doors Club as well. Yeah, it's I mean, th- th- like you said, you know, for those that don't know, we've known each other now for a fair few years, but yeah. we're sort of galloping through the kind of last three as if as if they weren't worth talking about. They they obviously were major in terms of. Us, us two finding each other, yeah. recognizing that you were, you know, prepared to have a go at things. You know, transmission loss was was good. There was good DJs coming through. You were yeah. open about the sound you wanted. Yeah. Um, willing to explore, branch out, and you know, similarly for me, the Progressive House UK has, has introduced me to lots of really cool people. Yeah. Loads of really good DJs. There was there was a period where. When I was in my old job, I just thought this is the best thing ever because my job was quite. Um, once I'd got over the initial tough sort of period of my job, and it, and it had become quite con- like I'd basically got into a new industry, so I had yeah. a lot to learn. I, I pretty much knew what I was doing, pretty yeah, clockwork, yeah. Yeah. and and I had my own office, I had my own desk, so for me, I could sit there, have all these really cool DJs that I was like back and forwards with, yeah. thinking through like ideas with supplying me with music all day long while I'm yeah. sort of typing on a computer. Yeah, yeah. So there was an aspect at which it, it satisfied my creativity, being able to do the, the mix albums, working with people. I, I did at the very start, lots of podcasts, but like you say, when that, when that came into a kind of different period was the kind of live stream thing. And I just, probably like millions of other people at the time I just needed something to take my mind off what was happening with the pandemic I, yeah. I, I needed to do something there was there was nothing to do yeah and um, I was actually still at work when I first started it I was yeah, still yeah. working yeah but not in a capacity that was anything like before yeah. so to go in the garage turn on the computer and I'd I'd very quickly worked out how to set up a live stream yeah properly so I was quite... This is when you were on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was quite quick to knowing what kit I needed. And then obviously Facebook <laughs> pulled, the, pull, pulled the plug on <laughs> people playing music, you know, thanks They could make a fortune, you know. Yeah. Well, not that they need it, but like... Just the whole thing. But but I also, because I'd got into the habit, I wanted to continue. Yeah. Maybe there was an aspect actually of performing. Because yeah, yeah. when, you, when you live stream, you are performing. Yeah. Um, I liked it and, you know, felt like it made me a better DJ because yeah. you have to concentrate. You, yeah. you couldn't just like go make a cup of tea yeah, yeah. in the middle of a long tune or, you know, press pause and I'll mix that later. You you were live. Yeah. yeah. So the mixed cloud kind of 
era, getting the kit right. You know, Les helped me out a lot with 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 setting things up, getting getting people to like listen to you. Yeah. The quality of your sound. I was I was lucky that I was fast to that. Um, but like you said, it just it was the time. It, it, yeah. it was quick as it came it fizzled out yeah. and like I don't, you I don't think it's fizzled out I mean I still still regularly go on Mixcloud and see who's on but compared to what it was it's like basically probably about a tenth yeah. of the amount of streams on Mixcloud now or Twitch or whatever there's literally no one doing it anymore and it, it, it's weird isn't it though because you've, certain you've, things have changed that made it more difficult like yeah. I, I was starting to get really frustrated with the constant updates that mixed, one, one yeah. week mixed you've got it glitchy. right and then they're going oh everybody on the other side of your chat is going oh the yeah. sound's gone yeah and yeah. you're like yeah. you it's, couldn't determine what is that mixed cloud or is it OBS yeah is it have I got a wire on you now yeah. have I not yeah. put something in so you're, you're busy S- trying to mix streaming's stressful yeah it's yeah you've, stressful. Got, you've got a lot of, you've got a lot going on I mean, look at Naz Naz is set up and stuff like that he has yeah. to literally We've got it just in our room, you know what I mean? He said outside his swimming pool and stuff, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, and exactly. It, that must take ages. Yeah. And I, I just think now... He's it, done a really it's, good it's job not, of that, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Because I really think, like job. you say, when you look at it and you yeah. know the, the behind the scenes of what yeah. it takes to plug that in, face yeah. that camera, yeah. have that, have your chat, yeah. where's your mic? You know, if yeah. you want to speak, you need a mic. I never ever spoke. No, no. I, don't think, I think I did once to said a lot to Marion. <laughs> Did you put the effects on and change your voice? <laughs> no, 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 no. But um, yeah, but yeah, I, like streaming for me now is just like a big no, no. I just it's just time to get out there. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, tell us about all things house because that's that's really yeah, all what's things happened. house. Um, like I said earlier, um, there was a night in Bishop years ago called All Things Nice. It ran for a, a, quite a few years and it was it was class. It was brilliant. It's where we all got our house music education sort of thing, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, so I wanted to kind of do something similar. Um, so I just, I wrote this very, very long, like, memorabilia, like, post on Facebook, just reminiscing. And, um, it went to like 6,000 people. Wow. (laughs) And it was just like, right. So I set set a, a page up, all Things House, found a venue, got moved from that venue before we even started into a bigger venue. And then it was just like, right, I'm going to do this. So set the band's PA up. I was going to use the band's PA system. Thought I'd best check it. So um, <laughs> plugged my decks in, nothing, literally nothing. So I was like, oh, no, I need to buy a sound system. This isn't like the three chords so story I, again, I, is it? I, lit- <laughs> I literally bought the sound system the day of the gig. Um, did the gig something like 350 people turned up but bearing in mind this pub is an end of the night kind of pub so I didn't really um, destination venue yeah, it was, yeah. yeah it was like the place where all, all the kids go at the end of the night but this place was rammed from pretty much first tune on to the last tune right. and I thought yeah there's, there's something definitely something there and then the week, uh, sorry, the month after was when you played. It was packed again, and I just thought, yeah, it's it, it's good. You wanted something, yeah. But like, the more and more I did it, 
the less and less people came and it was still packed at the end of the night but it was just like I'm booking DJs to play from like time slots yeah 8 o'clock and they played and like you know 15, 16 people and, and it was just like right I'm not going to do that anymore and there was one night this lad tried to touch me decks and I was just like I went mental you know what I mean I was like don't touch me gear and stuff like that and I, I just that night I just thought I'm not going to do it here no more I don't want to do it in in a pub full of drunken idiots. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like do 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 I you know do I take it to where the crowd is? Yeah. Or do I take it to somewhere yeah. and get the crowd to go there? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, so I put I put a post out on Facebook saying I was looking for a venue and um, it was Andrew Burner got me in touch with uh, the lads at the the brewery where where all things house is now. Went down, met them basically told them what I want to do day parties um, and yeah I, I did the first one did it outside um, it was good uh, booked Rob to Sarah there was about 50-60 people came and it was good um, a few months later we did did the first one inside and it, it's just I, I just know now that it's the right place for that gig mm. do you know what I mean it's just got a class feel about it yeah it's got a mini warehouse feel right yeah it's, it's just like a little mini warehouse rave and mm. rave again but um, you know what I mean it's like it's got a good vibe about it and yeah right size yeah it, it sounds good in there yeah you're not going to get anybody knocking on until you gonna, turn it down yeah and it's in the middle of nowhere mm. and I think people are just people are getting onto the fact that it, it is good do you know what I mean? And it's not an end of the night place. It's, you know, it's testament really, like you say, to sticking at something. Yeah. It, it's it's very easy to think you've got a good idea and you can merrily go on and do it. Totally different thing to sort of commit to booking DJs, to booking venues. Yeah. And putting tickets on sale, yeah. you know. That, that was, that was, that was another thing. It was like, I'm going to sell tickets, whether they're three quid or five quid or seven or eight quid people are going to buy a ticket to come it's not just going to be a free-for-all full of idiots it's going to be people who actually want to be there it's the commitment thing yeah right? and that that's that's the crowd that i get that i get down there it's like people want to be there yeah and people i've built that community whereas you built yours online i've, I've built it like in person mm. do you know what i mean and, and i think I think now that is only going to grow and grow. Yeah, well, as like testament to to what you've been what you've been doing, people know where it is. You get yeah. a consistency going. Yeah, you know, we've talked a lot about booking well, what inverted commas well known DJs yeah. or headliners and all the rest yeah. of it. And probably what people most want is to listen to good music, yeah. probably first and foremost, in an environment that's right. Yeah. With good people. Like, though that mixture was the same in the 90s. Yeah. If you go back to what we've talked about at the beginning of this conversation, take off the nostalgic glasses yeah. and, and the rose-tinted sort of view of it, what you're actually talking about is good music in yeah. a small venue, everybody yeah. up for it. And that's why that's I called... That's the magic combo. That's why I called it All Things House. I wanted it to be no genre of house, no sub-genre. Do you know what I mean? Like, back in the day... When you used to go to a house night and it was just house. 
you didn't care what it was. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's that's what I wanted to do. So I'll bring that back. And that's what I, I think I have done that. So what's your next what's your next gig? What, what's the next gig for um All Things House? All Things House, that's um eighteenth of March. And then you've got a few dotted in, haven't you? Yeah, I've got four four this year. So there's there's one in March, there's one in June, one in September and one in December. So Nice. But the December ones I'm gonna keep as underground house yeah yeah so yeah it's like the one we just did yeah which was which was great yeah amazing yeah Lovely. yeah well all the things you've said just yeah. for me totally the right environment bang and sound system yeah I, I, yeah I built I built my set for that yeah built my set for exactly that venue um, and really enjoyed putting it together and then playing it for me, just so easy to turn up. You've got everything set up. I was just like, "This is this is great." In terms of, in terms of all of the elements for a DJ, this is one of my favourite little gigs I've played. Yeah, you know, it was just right. It just felt right, yeah. and the atmosphere in there is great as well. And the people knew their music. Yeah, they, they yeah. weren't. They, this wasn't just a group of people going, "Oh, if it, if it bangs yeah. and thuds, I'll be up for it because yeah. it's in a warehouse." It was. Yeah. It was people that came for the right reasons. So. Yeah. You know, hats off for, for, like you say, trying an underground gig. Yeah. As opposed to... I didn't, I didn't know how that was going to work, but I booked, I booked Lexington Avenue. He lives in Bishop. It was just a no-brainer, really. You know yeah, I mean? stars were yeah. aligned, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. And I, I prob- I'll probably do more or less the same thing in December. But I'm, I'm the money I make this year is going to go into December's gig. Reinvestment. Yeah. So mm. I've, I've, the money I made... In the last few gigs, it's like paid for me gear. Um, so the sound system's paid off. Um, I bought a load of lights and stuff, smoke machine, new banners, and mm. you know what I mean. Just yeah, you do it properly. Yeah, yeah you do it properly. Getting, getting the setup right and well, we'll make sure um, that everybody who's listening can find you. We'll, yeah. You know, when we post, we'll make sure that everybody's got the links to all things house. Yeah, and where you are and and get them following you. It seems uh a good place for us to lead on to our next venture. So, Early Doors Club. What's, yeah. what's all that about, Richard? Well, just us hiring a club and trying to get everyone together that we know. And I've coined this phrase, micro-clubbing. Clubbing in this short space of time. No big DJs, just me and you, setting the mood. People are starting to get on board with it. It's just an idea. That we need, I think we need to go through with. I think naturally we've been led to this point together. The communities that we've built after lockdown, when people, we did start getting together and actually having gigs, it became real life. Yeah. And I think that it was probably born out of me grabbing my balls and saying, if I'm going to do this, I need to do it. Yeah. And actually do it in real life but also probably a mixture of our skills together but also the recognition that there was a a gap in the market yeah you know we both enjoyed progress on gigs yeah they've sort of come to a a temporary stop yeah we're both at world headquarters so we know that space and that club and yeah the opportunities presented itself so it's the perfect place for it world headquarters It's, it's a class space it's got a class sound system can't wait to play on it. Yeah. It's got all the right ingredients, yeah, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, and and that crowd that used to go to progress on, they're missing that as well. You either do it or you wait. 
let's do it. You know what I mean? It's yeah, and I think we've uh, it's not to tread on the tours or anything. It's, no, it's like no, not at all. But I want I want to play gigs. You want to play gigs. People want to go to gigs. Let's do a gig. And it's that same thing you were talking about, right? Yeah. It's like if you, you've, we're not building the scene, no, but no. we are trying to get a community of people yeah. to enjoy a scene yeah, so because we, we, it's certainly not. There is no. I wouldn't describe it as an underground scene. There, no. there, there, maybe there is, but maybe yeah. I'm the wrong age yeah, in yeah. terms of yeah. what people think it is. But certainly, our age demographic or or people that we're certainly trying to get to come to this have got so many things in their life that are in front of going out. Yeah. But people still want to go out. Yeah. Um, but you don't want to be spending 120 quid in the bars, do you? No, no. And I, I just think if you can get people in a club for five hours, finish at half ten, that's more appealing to me than getting people in a club from nine o'clock yeah. till four o'clock in the morning. I, I don't know. I, I think I've just grown out of it. I think also, like, from a person who really enjoys their music, there comes a point when, like, tiredness or lateness or looking at your watch and thinking about taxis, yeah. and it starts to just detract from actually enjoying the music that's there. Yeah. We're in a club, like, we're, we're not in any environment that's alien. It's just a different time of day. Yeah. But it's not got the after effects. Yeah, yeah. We obviously don't need to convince ourselves again of why we're doing it. I think there's a lot of things that are pooling together the fact that we can between us do a lot of the work ourselves we're yeah. not we're not particularly relying yeah. on a promoter yeah. we're not having to rely on outsourcing yeah. graphics or yeah. things that traditionally would have been barriers to people putting on their own gigs we don't have to take anything We'd, apart no, from our headphones and sticks yeah, yeah exactly so yeah, we're, we're even bypassing what you do with yeah. All Things House yeah. by, by that's, literally that's turning like up that's like a big yes for me do you know what I mean because I'm, I'm at All Things House from like half 11, 12 o'clock setting up. It starts at two, do you know what I mean? And, and I'm literally trying to get everything right in that short space of time. Yeah, and then packing the van at the end of the and night then, to get yeah, it all out. And I'm not getting home till like one o'clock in the morning or something like that, you know what I mean? But yeah, I just think World Headquarters is probably the best club I've been to in a long, long time. And there's, like I said, the sound system's class. It's our, the drinks are cheap enough you know what I mean yeah I just think it's the right place yeah the, the, the heritage it. of the club is is good yeah. you know I think that's definitely on our side is that the ethos of the club is a little bit more underground it is a little bit yeah. more um diverse yeah. the types of people they get there and um, certainly people I know my age group over feel the same way about the club so yeah you know we're going to give it our best our and, best and shot because it's our night we can play what we want so we well, that's the. I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? Is that yeah. you know from booking DJs, and I know from the amount of gigs that I've done in my life, that I really want to play the music I want to play. Yeah. So when um, I'm booking a DJ, I'm like, well, he's got to play this kind of thing. She's going to play this. He's going to play a different style. Do you yeah. Know what I mean? Whereas, like, if we do do it ourselves. It's like, right, I can just bang a load of tunes in a, in a playlist, and just go for it and. Yeah. See what comes out. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. It's like no rules. That's the big thing. Because yeah. we've we've talked early on about this classification of music. Yeah. And certainly before we went to start recording, you know, I was talking about this sort of progressive house jacket that I seem to have on when realistic the bulk of my music is is not that. The, the joy for me of, of DJing is being able to play a really rare track. Yeah. A really different track. 
an offbeat remix or yeah. a, or a different rhythm and and blend that style yeah in into what I hope has, has developed into a, a sound that I'm known for and the joy of maybe digging around in the record box you know pulling out a few things that I haven't played in a while yeah. really appeals like when you're making a mix you've got to keep it fresh yeah. every single time it's not like back in the day where you would have your favorites yeah 50 tunes in in your in your vinyl box and then yeah. you would swap maybe two or three a week yeah that's right yeah you'd phase some in and phase yeah. some out yeah yeah but like nowadays very very rarely you'll put the same song in a mix yeah and it's a shame isn't it it's a bit of throwaway culture isn't it that's that's the digital thing that's digital it's like all them tunes that you've got on your mixes you can play out live now yeah do you know what I mean because no one's heard them in a club yeah yeah so no I'm with you and I think the, the other thing that appeals you know I was warmed up like similar probably period of time in terms of the amount of time we're going to be playing yeah it's very similar to what me and Dave Ferno who's yeah yeah Progressive yeah. House Residence was what we did yeah you know the club opened at 10 we were done by 2 we had 4 hours that we would carve the music up yeah um, and certainly I get I get to go through the gears do a bit of warm up then you then me then whatever yeah. and then back to back the last few sort of projects we've done together um, we've tried to forge maybe a sound between us that's probably a little bit tougher it, yeah. inarguably it is yeah. less melodic yeah. Which is probably the the progressive bit most people think is the yeah. melodic kind of um, element of the music. But yeah, I mean, we can only try, like you've done with your the project, we can only try and get this off the ground. People are, are responding well to it. They like the idea. There's certainly yeah. no barriers. Um, we've tried to knock them down. Yeah. And yeah, we want to play a wide range of music to people. Yeah. So the other thing, obviously, we had to consider was the roughly the frequency of, of, of what we were going to do yeah. in terms of how often we did this. Yeah. I think um, if you look three or four times a year, then it gives people something to look forward to. And plan for. Yeah, yeah. I think if you were if you're doing it every month, people would get sick. But um, yeah, th- three or four times a year is about right, I would say. Well, I don't know about you, but like Emma and I combining our diaries, that's enough of a... It's yeah. enough of a, a headache with the travel, the fact we don't have family up here. Um, in in terms of like you know m- modern living, being away with work, things like that, it's yeah. it's not easy to try and do something monthly. I don't think I'd want to commit something monthly, yeah. but people they've got kids, they've got holidays, they've yeah. got things they want to it, do. And it's it's more of an occasion when you do it less frequently. So I think the uh, I think we're doing it right. So we've pitched it. Yeah. Seven pound. Seven quid. Cheap drink. Glass of wine, isn't it? That good these times, days. Good music. Yeah. What more do you Get want? Get yourself down. Yeah. So twenty fifth of February, the first one. End of winter, we could describe that as. Yeah. So yeah, if we we hoping to get a, a good crowd down, certainly online. We've we've yeah. um, been, been getting response. lots of people. Yeah. Yep. Tickets are going well, so we'll just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Enough said about that. Yeah. So we've now just got to get loads of good tunes in a folder, haven't we? <laughs> I've already started putting mine away and the mixes that we did is probably the way that we will play. I yeah. Would, I would have thought. Same kind of style, mixing it up and... Yeah, for sure. Mix it all up. Yeah, mix it all up. I think that's also quite nice though, isn't it? Is that we both discussed this, is that... 
it's nice to play different style. You know, yeah. we could play our own mix and listen to our own mix doing something, or you, you give it a one of the, you know, one of the guest mixes. You, you yeah. tailor that sound for that. Yeah, yeah. And that's great. Yeah. But knowing you're going to play out, you want people to dance. Like that's yeah. the thing I want is I want yeah, people that, to dance. You're a DJ. That that's it. That that's is, the job. That's your job. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll do our job, and people just have to turn up. It's in our hands. It's in our hands. <laughs> it's in the hands of the gods. Well, thanks very much for um, obviously taking the time to come over. Yeah, it's been good. To Casa Beausville. Yeah. Um, what people couldn't see is Bertie joined us halfway through. <laughs> Progressive House and Beausville mascot sat on my knee, kept me warm. But yeah, thanks for coming over and um, we'll make sure that we've got all the links on, as I said, so people can follow you on All Things yeah. House. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, hope everybody enjoyed hearing your story from a slightly different angle yeah. um, of a scene that we all we all love and um, want to keep very much alive. Yeah, so thanks for definitely. thanks for coming over, Rich. No problem, mate.